ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so now we finished alhamdulillah kitab at-tahara we're now going to start kitab at-salah so as Shaykh Al-Fawzan Hafizahullah Ta'ala says at the beginning now, لَمَّنْ تَهَلْ مُؤَلِّفُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ مِنْ كِتَابِ الطَّهَارَةِ الَّتِي هِيَ شَرْطٌ لِصِحَّةِ الصَّلَاةِ وَقَدْ أَوْرَدَ مَا يَتَعَلَّقُ بِهَا مِنَ الْأَحَدِيثِ فَلَمَّا فَرَغَ مِنْهَا ذَكَرَ كِتَابَ الصَّلَاةِ So when the author Al-Hafidh Ibn Hajar, he finished mentioning Kitab Al-Tahara, and he finished the various ahadith that are in Kitab Al-Tahara, which is a condition for the prayer. The tahara, the purification, is a condition for the prayer to be correct and accurate. An individual must be upon the purification. So after having mentioned all of that, the water and the purification, etc., now Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, he moves on to the prayer itself. وَالصَّلَاةُ فِي اللُّغَةِ هِيَ الدُّعَى As for the word as-salah, Linguistically in Arabic it means dua. Dua is the meaning of the word salah linguistically, to call, to supplicate. All of that is the meaning of salah linguistically. Um, They say that linguistic words in Arabic, whatever the linguistic meaning of a word is, then the legislative meaning the meaning in the Sharia is always the same, but with some addition to it. So the linguistic meaning here is to make dua. The linguistic meaning of prayer, of salah, is to make dua, to supplicate. But the Islamic meaning or the Sharia meaning of that is something additional to that. Because prayer, Islamically, isn't just to make dua and to supplicate. It isn't just to make dua and to supplicate. It is to make dua and to supplicate in a specific manner. And so linguistically the word means to supplicate, dua. But Islamically now, sharia wise, then the meaning of it is, aqwalun wa af'alun mubtada'atun bit-takbir muhtatamatun bit-taslim. Islamically then when we talk about salah, then what we mean is specific statements and actions that begin with the takbir, Allahu Akbar, and they end with the taslim, assalamu alaikum, assalamu alaikum. In between those two parts, there are specific statements that you have to read and make. There are specific actions that you have to do upon a specific way. All of that which occurs from the Allahu Akbar, the takbir at the beginning, to the taslim at the end, assalamu alaikum, assalamu alaikum. Then in between those two Everything which occurs from that point to that point in that specific manner is the salah which is uh, recognized uh, in the sharia. وَالصَّلَاةُ فِي الشَّرْعِ مِنْ أَعْظَمِ الْعِبَادَاتِ This prayer is from the greatest of the forms of worship. لِأَنَّهَا يَجْتَمِعُ فِيهَا مِنْ أَنْوَاءِ الْعِبَادَةِ مَا لَا يَجْتَمِعُ فِي غَيْرِهَا And the reason being because within the prayer 
there are certain types of worship that are all combined within the prayer that you will not see combined in other acts of worship. من تلاوة القرآن والثناء على الله سبحانه وتعالى والتسبيح والتكبير والقيام والركوع والسجود والجلوس There are various different types of worship that are all combined together in the prayer. For example, the recitation of the Qur'an. For example, the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The tasbih, the takbir. On top of that, the standing, the ruku', the bowing, the sujood, the prostration, the julus, the sitting. All these various acts of worship reciting the Qur'an, making dua, remembrance of Allah, praise of Allah, the physical actions of bowing, prostrating, everything is combined together within the prayer. So that's why the scholars, they say, this is one of the greatest forms of worship, because of the various acts of worship that are combined together within it. And you don't have this type of combination in other forms of worship. وَهِيَ رُكْنُ الثَّانِي مِنْ أَرْكَانِ الْإِسْلَامِ بَعْدَ شَهَادَتَيْنِ and it is the second pillar from the pillars of Islam after the shahadatain. Just like it's mentioned in the hadith, بُنِيَ الْإِسْلَامُ عَلَى خَمْسِ شَهَادَةِ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ وَإِقَامِ الصَّلَاةِ وَإِيْتَاءِ الزَّكَاةِ وَصَوْمِ رَمَضَانِ وَحَجِّ الْبَيْتِ وَحَجِّ بَيْتِ اللَّهِ الْحَرَامِ لِمَنْ إِسْتَطَاعَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا The hadith which is in Al-Bukhari, a Muslim, that Islam is built upon five the testification that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah, and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, and to establish the prayer, and to give the zakat, and to fast the Ramadan, and to make the hajj to the house of Allah for the one who is able to do so. So we see that the prayer is the second highest pillar. Similarly, you have in the hadith of Jibreel, when Jibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ on that occasion, uh, in the form of a human, as it's known that the angels, Jibreel ﷺ, when he used to come to the Prophet ﷺ, then he would typically come in the form of a human. He would typically and normally come in the form of a human. And so on this occasion, he came in the form of a human, wearing the extremely white clothes, Shadidu bayad thayab Shadidu sawad shahar the extremely white clothes, the extremely dark hair, and he sat with the Prophet ﷺ. And one of the things that he asked him was, "Akhbirni anil Islam. Tell me about Islam." And so the Prophet ﷺ said that Islam is an tashhada an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammadan Rasulullah wa tuqimu salah wa tuqti zakah wa tasuma Ramadan wa tahjj al bayt. That you bear testification, there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah, and that you establish the prayer. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned it as the second pillar. Similarly, you have the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal, when he was sent to Yemen, and the Prophet ﷺ said to him, إِنَّكَ تَأْتِي قَوْمًا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ You're going to come to a group of people who are people of the book, Jews and Christians. فَلْتَكُنْ أَوَّلَ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِمْ uh, so make sure that the first thing you call them to is the testification of Tawheed. If they accept that from you, then after that, أَعْلِمْهُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ افْتَرَضَ عَلَيْهِمْ خَمَسْ صَلَوَاتٍ فِي كُلِّ يَوْمٍ وَلَيْلَىٰ 
Then if they accept the Tawheed, tell them that Allah has uh, ordained upon you the five prayers in the day and the night. So again, it was mentioned as the second pillar straight after the Tawheed. So these various narrations now, these three ahadith, they prove clearly that the prayer is the second highest pillar of Islam. وَقَدْ فُرِضَتْ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم فِي مَكَّةِ قَبْلَ الْهِجْرَةِ And the obligation of the prayer, it came upon the Prophet ﷺ when? Just before the hijrah. Just before the hijrah is what many of the scholars, they say, uh, the prayer was established on the night of Al-Isra wal Mi'raj. On the night of Al-Isra wal Mi'raj, which many of the scholars, they say, was just before the hijrah, still in Mecca, and there's a difference as to when it was exactly. But on that night, then the prayer was established. And the scholars, they say, this is actually one of the virtues or one of the factors that indicates the greatness of the prayer. The other commandments and the other uh, uh, rulings, they would be sent with Jibreel alayhi salam. Jibreel alayhi salam would bring them down and teach the Prophet sallallahu upon the earth. Whereas the prayer was not sent down from the heavens to the earth to be established, the opposite was done. The Prophet sallallahu was taken from the earth to the heavens and the prayer was established there, which is different to the other rulings and regulations, whereas they would come down and be established upon the earth, the Prophet ﷺ was taken up for the prayer to be established in the heavens. So the scholars, they say, this is one of the signs of the greatness of the prayer, and from the virtues and the importance of the prayer. Um, also, the scholars, they say, another thing that indicates the greatness and importance of the prayer is that one is it was established in the heavens as opposed to everything else being established upon the earth. The second is that everything else was established upon the earth via Jibreel alayhi salam. He is the one who would bring that commandment to the Prophet Whereas the prayer, it was established in the heavens, but on top of that, it was without the intermediary of Jibreel alayhi salam bringing that. It was directly from Allah to the Prophet ﷺ, without Jibreel ﷺ having to bring that. So that again indicates the greatness and the virtue of the prayer. And initially, when the prayer was established, then it was established as two raka'at. أَوَّلُ مَا فُرِدَتْ رَكَعَتَيْنِ كَمَا فِي حَدِيثِ Aisha. There is a hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha where it mentions that the prayer, it was two raka'at to begin with. ثُمَّ أُتِمَّتْ صَلَاةُ الْحَضَرِ إِلَىٰ أَرْبَعِ رَكَعَاتِ Then after that, the prayer of a person who is resident, he's not traveling, that was increased up to four raka'at for the dhuhr and asr and isha. Maghrib is three anyway, and fajr is two anyway. They were left as they are. However, the dhuhr was made into four, and the asr was then made into four, and the Isha was then made into four. And the Maghrib stays as it's three, and the Fajr stays as it's two. Whereas initially, even Dhuhr was two, and Asr was two, and Isha was two. Even they were twos to start with. But then afterwards, for the one who is not traveling, it was completed to four. But the one who is traveling, it remained upon the original two. So if you're traveling, you pray the two. And that's what's known as the shortening of the prayer. Whereas originally, actually, it was only two. And it was completed if you remain resident 
and it was uh, remained or stayed as being shortened to the two if you are traveling. As for the Fajr, then it remains as two whether you're at home or you're traveling, because that is a prayer that is extended in its recitation in any case. As it's mentioned that the Prophet used to recite 60 to 100 ayahs. So that is an extended prayer in any case. And the Maghrib as it's mentioned in some of the narrations is the three like the witr, but you differentiate from the witr in the form of its prayer. Then the Shaykh mentions also that from the virtues and the importance of this prayer is, or rather uh, it is mentioned, that the first thing that a person will be asked about on the Day of Judgment from his actions will be his prayer. The first thing that a person is asked about from his actions will be the prayer. So if that is good and correct, the remainder of the actions will follow. But if the prayer is incorrect and false, and shortcomings and deficient are within it, deficiencies are within it, then the remainder of the actions follow suit. And that's why it's mentioned that the prayer, a person who establishes that, and keeps that intact properly and accurately five times a day, then the prayer aids a person in fulfilling the other obligations and duties. Whereas an individual who abandons and becomes deficient in the prayer, then the remainder of his duties are more likely to become deficient. Also the Shaykh mentions here, مَنْ تَرَكَ الصَّلَاةَ مُتَعَمِّدًا فَإِن كَانَ جَاحِدًا لِوُجُوبِهَا فَإِنَّهُ كَافِرٌ بِإِجْمَاعِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ here the shaykh mentions the issue about the one who leaves the prayer. Is he a disbeliever or not? And many of the scholars, as it's mentioned, they view that an individual who leaves the prayer, he's a disbeliever. Due to various narrations, that the covenant or the barrier or the distinguishing point between us and them is the prayer. So whomsoever leaves the prayer has disbelieved. In one narration, فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ He has committed the shirk. So these are severe narrations and severe threats regarding the individual who leaves the prayer. And that's why the scholars, they spoke so severely regarding an individual and the act of this prayer. So the shaykh says, عَلَى كُلِّ حَالِ فَإِنَّ تَرْكَ الصَّلَاةِ فِيهِ خَطَرٌ عَظِيمٌ That in any situation, whatever opinion is about those issues, Leaving the prayer is a severe danger. Severely dangerous for an individual to leave the prayer. So this is a brief introduction that the shaykh gives regarding the prayer and the virtues of the prayer. And the first chapter that Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, rahimahullah ta'ala mentions, is Babul Mawaqeet. The chapter regarding, or the section regarding, the times of the prayers. The times of the prayers. When is Fajr to be prayed? From when and when? When does Dhuhr start? When does it end? When does Asr start? When does it end? Etc. What are the times for the prayers? When is it permissible to start praying a particular prayer? And when is it uh, ending? When is the ending time for that prayer? So Al-Mawaqeet, Jam'u Miqat, Wa Huwa Al-Haddul Muhaddad. Mawaqit, this word in the Arabic language, it comes from miqat, and that means to make the boundary of something. To make the boundaries of something. And the boundaries of something can be two types. They can either be uh, geographical, physical boundaries, 
Like for example in Hajj, there are the Mawaqeet. When you have to make Hajj, then you make the Ihram from certain geographical locations that are mentioned. So that is Mawaqeet, geographical boundaries. Or it can be boundaries that are not geographical and physical, but they are linked to time. Zone, time zones and time boundaries. So here the Mawaqeet are referring to the times not the geographical, physical type. So here now, the times of those boundaries are going to be mentioned. And that is just like Allah said in the Qur'an, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا That indeed this prayer, it is upon the believers, a, an allotted time and a fixed prescribed time. Meaning that you must then perform those prayers in those times for them to be correct and accurate. So then, we come to the first hadith regarding the times of the prayers. The hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr radiyallahu anhumah. Anna al-Nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, Waqtu al-Dhuhr, Iza zalati al-Shams, Wa kana dhillu al-Rajuli katulihi, Ma lam yahdhur al-Asr. وَوَقْتُ الْعَصْرِ مَا لَمْ تَسْفَرَّ الشَّمْسِ وَوَقْتُ الْمَغْرِبِ مَا لَمْ يَغِبِ الشَّفَقِ وَوَقْتُ صَلَاةِ الْعِشَاءِ إِلَى نِصْفِ اللَّيْلِ الْأَوْسَطِ وَوَقْتُ صَلَاةِ الصُّبْحِ مِنْ طَلُوعِ الْفَجْرِ مَا لَمْ تَطْلُعِ الشَّمْسِ رواه مسلم وله من حديث بريدة في العصر والشمس بيضاء نقية ومن حديث أبي موسى والشمس مرتفعة so in this hadith now, or these three ahadith with the various narrations, the times for the five prayers are all mentioned within this hadith. Firstly then, the Prophet ﷺ starts by mentioning the time for the dhuhr prayer. And he ﷺ said, the dhuhr prayer starts, وَقْتُ الظُّهْرِ إِذَا زَالَتِ الشَّمْسِ يَعْنِي يَدْخُلُ وَقْتُ الظُّهْرِ بِزَوَالِ الشَّمْسِ عَنْ, وط... عن وَسَطِ السَّمَاءِ فَإِذَا كَانَتْ فَوْقَ الرُّؤُوسِ وَانْحَسَرَ الظِّلِّ فَهَذَا يُقَالُ لَهُ قِيَامُ الشَّمْسِ وَهَذَا الْوَقْتِ لَا تَحِلُّ الصَّلَاةُ فِيهِ سَوَاءً كَانَتْ نَافِلَةَ أَوْ غَيْرُ النَّافِلَةَ وَلَا جَنَازَ وَلَا غَيْرِهَا وَالزَّوَالُ وَقْتٌ قَصِيرٌ فَإِذَا زَالَتِ الشَّمْسِ يَعْنِي مَالَتْ إِلَى جِهَةِ الْغَرْبِ بِأَنْ زَالَتْ عَنْ الرُّؤُوسِ إِلَى جِهَةِ الْغَرْبِ وَبَدَأَ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الظِّلْفِ فِي جِهَةِ الشَّرْقِ دَخَلَ وَقْتُ الظُّهْرِ وَهُوَ مَا يُسَمَّى بِدُلُوكِ الشَّمْسِ كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِدُلُوكِ الشَّمْسِ So the shaykh now explains. The dhuhr prayer, it begins if the sun, it moves from the meridian or the zenith, the middle of the sky. When the sun is at its peak, Right above the heads of the people. It's right above, directly above your head in the middle of the sky. When it moves away from the middle of the sky, it moves slightly away from the very middle of the sky. It moves away from that. Meaning, it starts to go down into which direction? Which direction? East or west? If, it's, if it goes to the middle of the day and it starts moving down, which, where is it going? Um, not west. West. Because it's now sinking. And it's going to go set, sunset. 
So if it's gone to the middle of the day, it came from the east. It came from the east and it went to the middle of the day, right at the heads of the people. Then it starts to move across. When it starts to move across now, it's going to the west, which means your shadow is going to start coming on your... The left side. Your east side. The shadow will now start to begin on a person on his east side, because the sun is now moved to the west side. As soon as the sun moves from the middle of the day to the westerly side, and the shadow starts to appear on your easterly side, that's the beginning of the time for Dhuhr. That's the beginning for the time of Dhuhr. Whereas if the sun is directly above, the time hasn't started yet. The sun needs to move slightly to the west, your shadow starts to appear from the east. That is the time for Dhuhr, which has begun now. And it continues, from that point, it continues, وَكَانَ ذِلُّ الرَّجُلِ كَطُولِهِ Up until the shadow of a person is equal to the size of the person, or the shadow of the object is equal to the size of the object. So as soon as the sun moves to the west, the shadow starts appearing on the east. It's only going to be small to start with. But as the sun goes further and further to the west, the shadow becomes longer and longer. When the shadow gets to the length equal to yourself, equal to yourself or any object you put it down and the shadow is equal to the length of the object, then that's when the time, that's when the time for dhuhr then ends. وَكَانَ ذِلُّ الرَّجُلِ كَطُولِهِ Sheikh Fawzan says, وَيَسْتَمِرُّ وَقْتُ الظُّهْرِ مِنْ زَوَالِ الشَّمْسِ إِلَىٰ أَنْ يَتَسَاوَى الظِّلُّ مَعَ الشَّاخِصِ حِينَ إِذَنْ يَنْتَهِ وَقْتُ الظُّهْرِ فَإِذَا صَارَ ذِلَالُ الْعُمُودِ بِمِقْدَارِ الْعُمُودِ وَذِلَالُ الْإِنسَانِ بِمِقْدَارِ طُولِ الْإِنسَانِ وَذِلَالُ الْعُودِ بِمِقْدَارِ طُولِ الْعُودِ وَذِلَالُ الْجِدَارِ بِمِقْدَارِ طُولِ الْجِدَارِ فَهُنَا يَكُونُ قَدْ انْتَهَى وَقْتُ الظُّهْرِ So the Sheikh says, when the shadow is equal to the pillar or the shadow is equal to the stick or to the person or whatever the object is when the shadow is equal to it the time for dhuhr has ended so the shaykh says if you want to know the time for dhuhr then all you need to do is فَرْكُزْ عُودًا وَلَوْ كَانَ قَصِيرًا ثُمَّ انظُرْ ذِلَّهِ he says if you want to know if dhuhr is still there and you can still pray, it's still within the time of dhuhr or not. He says, all you need to do is take something small, a small stick or whatever it might be, even if it's really small, a couple of centimeters, a few centimeters. Stick it into the ground and see if the shadow is equal to that three or four centimeters object, whatever it is. If it's equal, the time for dhuhr has now ended. Uh, then it says after that, مَا لَمْ يَحْضُرِ الْعَصْرِ وَوَقْتُ الْعَصْرِ مَا لَمْ تَسْفَرَّ الشَّمْسِ That therefore now means that as soon as the sun goes from the middle of the day to the westerly side and the shadow starts appearing on the easterly side, the time for dhuhr has started. Up until that shadow gets longer and longer to the equal size of the object, dhuhr ends. When dhuhr ends at that point, the next stage is that the shadow is now going to start becoming ever so slightly Bigger than the object. As soon as that happens, the shadow is now just beyond the equal size. It's gone past that now. The time for Asar has begun. So the time for Dhuhr then ends when the shadow is equal to its length. 
And after that point, Asr then begins. وَوَقْتُ الْعَصْرِ يَبْدَأُ مِنْ مُسَاوَاتِ الظِّلِّ لِلشَّاخِسِ إِلَى اسْفِرَارِ الشَّمْسِ So the time for Asr, it begins when the shadow is equal. Dhuhr has finished and Asr then begins at that stage. And it continues up until the yellowing of the sun. This is what many of the scholars, they say. It doesn't end at the time of Maghrib. It ends before the time of Maghrib. And we'll come to the point what the scholars mentioned regarding that. So here the hadith says, مَا لَمْ تَسْفَرَّ الشَّمْسِ That Asr continues as long as the sun doesn't become yellow. Meaning of that is, when the sun sets, prior to the sun setting, just before it sets, on a clear day, obviously in this country it's difficult, but just before it sets, you see a yellow, a yellow haziness. The sun becomes this yellowy, hazy color. The hadith says, before that occurs, this yellow haziness of the sun, the yellowy color of the sun, prior to that, Asr is in. When it comes to that type of color, and you see it on a clear day when the sun is setting, how bright and radiant that yellowness, etc. is. Then when that occurs, the time for Asr, it ends. وَوَقْتُ الْعَصَرِ يَبْدَأُ نَعْمْ لِأَنَّهَا إِذَا دَنَتْ نَعْمْ إِذَا تَغَيَّرَ لَوْنُ الشَّمْسِ مِنَ الْبَيَاضِ إِلَى الصُّفْرَى لِأَنَّهَا إِذَا دَنَتْ مِنَ الْأُفْقِ يَعْلُوهَا الصُّفْرَى وَكَدْرٌ مِنَ الْغِبَارِ So, when the shadow is equal to the shape, the asr begins, the dhuhr has ended. It continues up until the, the sun becomes a yellowy color. When you look at the sun when it's directly in the sky, at dhuhr time or after dhuhr time, when you look at the sun with glasses or whatever, with shades, it's a very bright color. That's why it's difficult to look at. It's very bright and white. It's, it's a shiny color, white. And it's hard to look at with your eyes. You need glasses, sunglasses, etc. But at the time of sunset, you can look at the sun directly. Over the hills, you can look at the sun without sunglasses. Because now the color has changed. It's become this yellowy color. When it becomes that yellowy color, that's what the shaykh is saying, the time for Asr ends. Even if it hasn't sunk yet, Maghrib hasn't started yet, but it's gone in that yellowy color, Asr is finished. Some scholars say though, they give a different ruling. They say Asr ends when the shadow of an object is twice the size of the object. When the shadow of an object is twice the size of the object, they say that's when Asr ends. وَقِيلَ يَسْتَمِرُّ وَقْتُ الْعَصْرِ إِلَىٰ أَنْ يَصِيرَ ظِلُّ شَيْمِ That the Asr time it ends when the shadow of an object is twice the size of the object itself. إِذَنْ فَإِنَّ نِهَايَةَ وَقْتِ الْعَصْرِ لَهُ عَلَامَتَانِ And in reality there isn't a contradiction between those two. It's just two different ways of working out when Asr has ended. Look at the sun, if it's that yellowy color, time for Asr has ended. If that's not possible, look at the shadow. If it's twice the size of the object, twice the length of yourself, then the time for Asr has ended. وَاخْتَلَفَ الْعُلَمَاءِ فِي مَا بَعْدَ اسْفِرَارِ الشَّمْسِ إِلَى مَغِيبِ الشَّمْسِ هَلْ هُوَ مِنْ وَقْتِ الْعَصَرِ أَوْ هُوَ خَارِجُ عَنْ وَقْتِ الْعَصَرِ Then we have the issue, when the sun goes to the yellowy color, or your shadow is now twice the size of the object. The sun still hasn't set. It's still there. There's still a bit of time left before it sets. That bit of time which is left for the sun to set, from the yellowiness time 
to when the sun sets, are you allowed to pray Asr in that time or not? Here many of the scholars, like we said in the hadith, the hadith says up until it goes yellow. After that finished. That's what the hadith says. But the scholars have mentioned the issue regarding that time period from the time of the sun going yellow, which is almost near sunset, but there's some time left still. That time which is left, the scholars, they differ about it. The first opinion is, أَنَّهُ مِنْ وَقْتِ asr. Some of the scholars say, it is from the time of Asr still. You can still pray Asr in that time. However, they say, this is the waqtu durura. This is the time of necessity. The scholars, they say, that time from the yellowiness to the sunset is a time of necessity. Whereas from the shadow being equal to its object up until the yellowiness is the time of preference. That's when you should pray your asr. That's the preferred, the proper time for asr. If for some reason, whatever occurs, then that yellowiness to sunset, which is technically not from the time of asr, as it's mentioned in these hadith, some of the scholars say, actually it is okay, but only in necessity. As a means of necessity to pray in that time. Um... فَهَذَا يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ وَقْتُهَا يَسْتَمِرُّ إِلَىٰ الْغُرُوبَ What indicates that? They have a hadith which says, مَنْ أَدْرَكَ رَكَعَةً مِنَ الْعَصَرِ قَبْلَ أَنْ تَغْرُبَ الشَّمْسِ فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ الْعَصَرِ There's a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. Because normally now you would think, how can they come to this opinion? The hadith clearly says, مَا لَمْ تَسْفَرَّ الشَّمْسِ Hadith in Sahih Muslim. Asr continues as long as the sun doesn't go yellow. So how could they say that even after it goes yellow to sunset, you can still pray Asr? Although they say it's necessity though. How could they even say that then, if the hadith says only till the yellowiness? Because there is another hadith. There is another narration in Bukhari and in Muslim, where the hadith says that whoever catches one raka'ah of Asr before sunset, then he has caught the Asr prayer. Whoever catches one raka'ah of asr before the sunset, not before the yellowiness, before the sunset, then he has caught the asr prayer. So that indicates you can still pray asr up until sunset. So that's how they combined these evidences and they said, therefore, the proper time is up until the yellowiness. But the necessity, if there was the necessity, is up until the sunset. That you could still pray and the prayer is still correct and your asr is still acceptable. That's what they mentioned. Um, and that is only for somebody who has a reasoning. If you have some reason, some necessity, then you could go beyond that time and pray at the very last moments before Maghrib. Otherwise, pray prior to that up until the yellowing of the sun. Then after that, the Prophet ﷺ said, وَوَقْتُ الْمَغْرِبِ مَا لَمْ يَغِبِ الشَّفَقِ وَوَقْتُ الْمَغْرِبِ إِلَىٰ أَنْ يَغِيبَ الشَّفَقِ فَيَبْدَأُ مِنْ غُرُوبِ الشَّمْسِ The time for Maghrib, it begins with the sunset. The Maghrib time, it begins with the sunset. When the sun disappears, completely disappears. The scholars, they say the sun must completely disappear. Meaning even if you were on some flat land, and the sun disappeared, but if you were to climb up a hillside, you could still see it, Maghrib hasn't started. They say it needs to be completely disappeared. Even if you climb up and you look and you can't see it. Completely gone. It's sunk. Sunset. So that sunset is the beginning of the Maghrib time. 
And it continues إِلَى مَغِيبِ shafaq. It continues up until the horizon disappears. But which horizon? الشَّفَقْ shafaqan. There are two of these horizons. One is white and one is red. وَالْجَوَابِ إِنَّ الْمُرَادَ بِذَلِكَ الشَّفَقُ الْأَحْمَرُ وَلَيْسَ الشَّفَقُ الْأَبْيَضَ وَسَيَأْتِ فِي الْحَدِيثَ أَنَّ النَّبِيَ سَلَّمْ فَصَّرَهُ بِالشَّفَقِ الْأَحْمَرِ After sunset, you have the remainder of the sunlight still across the horizon. After sunset, you still see light in the distance, in the horizon in the west, where the sun has gone down. You see the whiteness and the haziness and the light still in the distance. Even though the sun has set and Maghrib is in, you see that remaining few sun rays. Those, they still exist. Some of those remaining sun rays that exist after the sun goes down are white. You see a white haziness. You also see a red haziness. The white haziness is not what's meant by the end of the Maghrib time. That white haziness, even if it disappears. The sun sets, you see the white haziness, that disappears, no problem. There will be a red haziness in that direction in the sky also. When that red haziness disappears, the final lights of that redness after the sun has gone down, that disappears, that's when Maghrib ends. That's what the scholars they say regarding the time for Maghrib. So it begins from sunset, and then after sunset, you still have some rays of light, white and red. The white ones may disappear, it's no problem. When the red ones disappear and it goes pitch black, that's the end of Maghrib. And that therefore now means the time of Isha has begun. So the time of the ending of Maghrib is when the light completely disappears, the redness disappears, pitch black. Maghrib has ended. Which now means, that's the same time when Isha now begins. ثُمَّ إِذَا غَابَ شَفَقُ الْأَحْمَرِ يَبْدَأُ وَقْتُ الْعِشَاءِ وَيَسْتَمِرُ وَقْتُ الْعِشَاءِ إِلَى نِصْفِ اللَّيْلِ الْأَوْسَطِ وَهُوَ نِصْفُ اللَّيْلِ الْأَوَّلِ لِأَنَّ النِصْفِ لَهُ حَدَّانِ حَدُّ بِدَايَةٍ وَحَدُّ نِهَايَةٍ وَحَدُّ النِهَايَةِ يُسَمَّى الْأَوْسَطِ وَجَاءَ فِي حَدِيثٍ آخَرَ أَنَّ وَقْتَ الْعِشَاءِ يَسْتَمِرُ إِلَى ثُلُثِ اللَّيْلِ فَهُنَاكَ إِذًا حَدِيثٌ يُحَدِّدُ نِهَايَةَ وَقْتِ الْعِشَاءِ بِنِصْفِ اللَّيْلِ وَحَدِيثٌ يُحَدِّدُهُ بِثُلُثِ اللَّيْلِ وَبِنَاءً عَلَى ذَلِكَ يَخْتَلِفُ الْعُلَمَاءُ فِي نِهَايَةِ وَقْتِ الْعِشَاءِ وَالرَّاجِحُ اللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ هُوَ أَنَّهُ إِلَى نِصْفِ اللَّيْلِ كَمَا فِي هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ The time for Isha begins when the redness disappears and it becomes pitch black. Isha begins. It continues up until the middle of the night or in one narration up till the third of the night. Two different narrations. Up until the third of the night or up until the middle of the night. Two different narrations, and Shaykh Fawzan says, Allahu alam, but as this hadith indicates, what would seem to be apparent, is that it's allowed to go to the uh, uh, half of the night. But there are scholars who mention up to the third of the night. Then, if Isha finishes, let's say up to the latter one, to the half of the night, what about the second half of the night then? From that half point, halfway point, Isha finishes, as the hadith mentions. Some even say the third, but let's take it to the half on that narration. After the half, up until Fajr, is he allowed to pray Isha or not then? After half of the night, up until Fajr, can you pray your Isha in that time or not? Again, the scholars, they differed regarding that time period. 
that time period in the last half of the night up until Fajr, are you allowed to pray Isha in that or not? Al-Qawl al-Awwal, the first opinion on that is, أَنَّهُ يَمْتَدُّ إِلَى الْفَجْرِ وَلَكِنَّهُ يَنْقَسِمُ إِلَى قِسْمَيْنِ It's similar to the previous opinion. They say, yes, you can carry on praying Isha all the way up until Fajr time starts. However, there is a time of preference and there's a time of necessity. The time of preference up until half the night and after that would be a time of necessity. Some scholars, they give this opinion. The second opinion is that the second half of the night beyond the halfway point, then that is outside of the time of Isha altogether, even necessity. It's outside the time of Isha. If you pray your Isha then, you technically haven't prayed your Isha in its time. You haven't prayed Isha in its time, uh, and that would be considered as you praying your prayer or making it up after the time has gone. It wouldn't be considered as in the time. Whereas the first opinion says it is in the time out of necessity, so your prayer would still be correct in its time out of necessity. But the second opinion says no, the time is gone. You pray then, pray it, but it's making it up after the time is gone. So that's the two opinions regarding the second half of the night. The final prayer that is left to be mentioned is the Fajr. When does the time for Fajr begin? And when does the time for Fajr end? أما وقت الفجر فإنه يبدأ من طلوع الفجر الثاني المعترض ويستمر إلى طلوع الشمس لأن الفجر فجران Fajr is two types You often hear the people saying the false dawn and the true dawn The false dawn and the true dawn The false fajr and the true fajr There are two fajrs but which one is the time for the Fajr prayer to be prayed and which one is not? Firstly, as the Shaykh says, there is one type of Fajr which is known as the false Fajr. Al-Fajr al-Kathub. Huwa alladhi yusamma bil-Fajr al-Kathub. The false Fajr. Wa huwa Fajrun yakhruju mumtaddan kal-Umud fil-Ufuq ala shaklin Umud. Or ala shakli Umud. Fahada yusamma al-Fajr al-Awwal. Thumma yati ba'dahu dhulma. وَهَذَا لَا يُعْتَمِدُ عَلَيْهِ فِي The night, it's in its pitch black. Then, towards the time of sunrise, prior to sunrise by whatever the time, you start to see the light. Initially, the scholars they say, the fuqaha they say, the light, when it first starts to appear in the early hours, after the pitch blackness of the night, the first time the light appears, it appears in a vertical manner. You'll see in the horizon the light coming up in a vertical manner, upwards, like a column. This light, it comes up and you see it. But after a while, the scholars, they say, the fuqaha, they say, that light disappears and it becomes pitch black again. That light is known as the false fajr. Because some people in the pitch black, if they start seeing this light coming up now, they think that's it, the sun's about to rise, fajr time. But actually that is a false fajr because that light which comes up in this vertical fashion, upwards like a column, after a while the scholars they say the fuqaha, it disappears. You'll notice that. It disappears after a while, it goes pitch black again. So that is known as the false fajr. It looks like light is coming out now, but then after a while it disappears and goes black again. That is not the time for the beginning of fajr. That is the false fajr. You can continue to eat if you're going to fast. That isn't fajr. 
And you can't pray your Fajr prayer yet. The second Fajr, after that, after that light it comes up in a straight form, vertically, then it disappears, then the light comes out again. But this time, the scholars they say, if you notice it will come out in a horizontal way, spread across the horizon. That light when it comes out horizontally across the horizon, that's the actual Fajr and the true Fajr. Now the sun is going to come up soon. When the light comes out horizontally across the horizon, not when it comes out vertically in the first place and then it disappears. When it comes out for the second time horizontally across the horizon, that is the actual time for the Fajr beginning now. Because once that light comes out across the horizon vertically, that's it. After that, it's going to get lighter and lighter. That doesn't disappear, disappear. That doesn't disappear, it doesn't get dark again. It only gets lighter and lighter after that. That is the actual Fajr. Uh, and that is just like Allah mentioned in the Quran. Uh, Eat and drink until the black string, uh, the white string becomes apparent to you from the black string. And the meaning of that is the horizon. The black string, the darkness of night, the white string, the light of Fajr arising. When that becomes apparent, Fajr has now begun. You must stop eating if you are fasting, and the time for Fajr is in. So this is when it is obligatory, uh, the time has started now, and a person can pray his Fajr prayer, and that continues all the way up until sunrise. All the way up until sunrise. As soon as the sun starts to rise, Fajr ends. From the time of the second Fajr, the true Fajr, up until when sun rises, when the sun starts to rise, it appears that's it, the Fajr time ends. That is the general categorizations of the five times of the Fajr, uh, prayers. The times for the five prayers, that's the general categorization of them. Um... Let's cover a little bit more too. عن أبي برزة الأسلمي رضي الله عنه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي العصر ثم يرجع أحدنا إلى رحله في أقصى المدينة والشمس حية وكان يستحب أن يؤخر من العشاء وكان يكره النوم قبلها والحديث بعدها وكان ينفتل من صلاة الغداء حين يعرف الرجل جليسة وكان يقرأ بالستين إلى المئة متفق عليه. Here now it's going to go into more detail about these prayer times. Um, and here these hadith are going to explain when did the Prophet ﷺ used to pray his prayers within those prayer times. How did the Prophet ﷺ used to pray? So firstly it mentions about the Asr prayer. And it says we used to pray Asr with the Prophet ﷺ. Then after praying Asr with the Prophet ﷺ, we would return back to our homes at the other end of Medina. At the other end of Medina we used to live, we used to return back that long distance to the other side where we used to live. Uh, even up to this point before we get to the actual timings, the Shaykh says, this indicates to you what? It indicates the keen and enthusiastic nature of the companions to pray in jama'ah. To come and pray with the Prophet ﷺ in that jama'ah. And that's how the people they should be. Particularly in this place now, in this city. You have a masjid upon Salafiyyah. 
Upon the methodology of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, then a person should be keen to come here. Often people they say, but this masjid, it's two miles away, I have one around the corner from my house. Okay, look at the companions. They used to travel in those days in the heat and the sun and the sand. Lengthy distances here, the hadith says, from the other side of Medina we used to come. Now even if you live on the other side of Bolton, it takes two minutes in a car. So this is how the companions they used to be. So they said, we used to pray with the Prophet ﷺ from the other side of Medina. And when we used to finish the prayer, Asr, we used to go back to our homes at the other side. فَقَدْ يَأْتُونَ مِنْ مَكَانٍ بَعِيدٍ مِنْ أَجْلِ صَلَاةِ الْجَمَاعَةِ وَمِنْ أَجْلِ رُؤْيَةِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى وَتَعَلَّمُوا مِنْهُ وَلِذَا يَنْبَغِي لِعُمُومِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ الْحِرْصَ عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ الْجَمَاعَةِ وَالْحِرْصَ الْعَرْتِيَادِ الْمَسَاجِدَ الَّتِي فِيهَا أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ وَالْفَضْلِ لِلِاسْتِفَادَةِ مِنْهُمْ وَالشَّمْسُ حِيَّةٌ نَقِيَّةٌ بَيْضَاءُ حَارَّةٍ لَا تَزَالُ حَارَّةً لَمْ يَدْخُلْهَا الْإِسْفِرَارُ لِأَنَّهَا إِذَا قَارَبَتِ الْغُرُوبَ إِسْفَرَّتْ لكن قبل ذلك تكون بيضاء نقية وهذا هو الذي عبر عنه أبو برزة بقول حية وهذا يدل على أنه سلم كان يعجل صلاة العصر في أول وقتها وسبق لنا بأن ذكرنا أن وقت العصر يدخل عندما يصير ذل شيء مثله. He says we used to pray عصر with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. Then we used to return to our homes at the other side of Medina and even when we got home at the other side of Medina the sun would still be alive. It would still be alive, hayya, meaning it would still be bright and radiant and hot. That therefore indicates that Asr was being prayed when? Right at the beginning time. Because the sun isn't alive towards its sunset. It becomes yellow, it becomes cool, it loses its heat. It's not alive in that way then. Here the description given it's alive, it's still hot, it's bright, it's there. So that means they used to pray Asr at the beginning time. They used to pray at the beginning so much so that they could get back to their homes and the sun was still alive and bright and hot and shining. So that shows that it wasn't close to sunset. It was still at the beginning time of the Asr. So that's what this hadith indicates that they used to pray the Asr prayer at the beginning time. So that is what the uh, believers should do. With regards to the Asr prayer, then it should be prayed at the beginning time. Then he mentions about the Isha prayer. وَكَانَ يَسْتَحِبُّ أَنْ يُؤَخِّرَ مِنَ الْعِشَاءِ لما, لَمَّا أَفَادَ قَوْلُهُ فِي صَلَاةِ الْعَصَرِ اسْتِحْبَابِ تَقْدِيمِ الْعَصَرِ بَيَّنَ أَنَّ الْعِشَاءِ بِخِلَافِ ذَلِكَ The Prophet ﷺ used to prefer to delay the Isha prayer. The Isha prayer begins when the redness of the horizon disappears and it becomes dark. However, the Prophet ﷺ used to prefer to delay it after that time, closer to the third of the night. He used to prefer to do that. And we're going to come to the narrations about that in more detail later. We'll come to the narrations regarding that in more detail later. Here just to briefly mention, that the Prophet ﷺ used to prefer to delay the Isha prayer towards the end time rather than the beginning time. To delay the Isha to the end later time. Whereas Asr, to pray it at the beginning time. Also the hadith mentions, كَانَ يَكْرَهُ النَّوْمْ قَبْلَهَا وَالْحَدِيثَ بَعْدَهَا That the Prophet ﷺ used to dislike sleeping before Isha. That was something that was not recommended, something that was not praiseworthy to go to sleep before Isha. And the scholars, they mentioned various reasons for that. One of them being that a person, he's been awake all day from Fajr, 
He's been doing his jobs, he's been doing this, he's been doing that, he's been doing his business. Then it comes all the way to the end of the night, to the end of the day rather, in the evening, Maghrib time. If he puts his head down after Maghrib, there's a very high likelihood he's going to end up falling asleep for the night. There's a very good likelihood of that. So maybe some of the scholars, they mention that's the reason why this uh, disliking for sleeping before Isha was mentioned. Because normally if a person goes to sleep before Isha, they are going to fall asleep for the night. It's not like if you go to sleep after Dhuhr, you go to sleep for a while, it's a nap, you will wake up again. Nobody or rarely is somebody going to go to sleep after Dhuhr and end up sleeping all day and wake up at Fajr. It's a nap. You sleep for an hour and your body wakes up again. But if you go to sleep after Maghrib in the evening, then most likely you will end up falling into deep sleep. So, and you will miss the Isha prayer therefore. That's why it was uh, not recommended or disliked to sleep before Isha. Secondly, also, the reason why speaking before Isha was disliked, uh, sorry, speaking after Isha was disliked as it's mentioned in this narration and in other narrations. Again, that was something which was not correct and not uh, 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 recommended to do. Is because, as the Sheikh mentions here now, a person who prays Isha, he prays his Isha prayer and then goes straight to bed. That means he's ending his day on obedience to Allah. The final thing you do in your day, you pray your Isha, you pray your Witr, you go to bed. You end your day upon obedience. Whereas if you pray your Isha and then go to have a meal with your friends in the restaurant for an hour, you might end up backbiting somebody, you might end up speaking Namima, you might end up lying, you might end up doing something wrong. So you end up ending your day with something which is not good. So here, you're guaranteeing yourself, or you are making it a likelihood for yourself, rather, that you will end your day upon obedience to Allah. So you avoid any speech, or any other type of uh, uh, engagement after Isha, and you go to your homes and go to the bed. If, however, the scholars have mentioned, there was something suitable and correct, a suitable and correct and appropriate type of engagement after Isha, then it is permissible to engage in speech. For example, the scholars they mention, if there was a lesson after Isha, you go to a particular masjid somewhere, the prayer, the Isha prayer, then there's a lesson after the prayer. That's okay. Sit in the lesson, listen to the teacher teaching, afterwards you might speak to your friends and revise a little bit. That's all good. That's good speech. That's obedience to Allah, revising and learning and memorizing. That's okay. That type of speech is permissible. That's not disliked. Also, if there was other speech of benefit, enjoying the good and forbidding the evil, things of obedience of that nature, where you need to get together to speak and congregate after Isha, they are permissible. But useless congregations get together to have meals, get together to do other things after Isha, then it's not something which is recommended, it's not something which is good, as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in this hadith. Also it mentions, وَكَانَ يَنْفَتِلُ مِنْ صَلَاةِ الْغَدَاءِ حِينَ يَعْرِفُ الرَّجُلُ جَلِيسًا That the Prophet ﷺ used to leave from the Fajr prayer after finishing, when a person could recognize who his companion is sitting next to him. And that's because at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there were no lights in the masjid. There was no electricity, there was no lights. So when they used to go to pray Fajr, it used to be pitch black. It used to be virtually dark. Of course, now the horizon has begun and the light has begun, but it was dark. Completely dark almost at that time when they used to go to pray the Fajr. No lights, no electricity. So when they used to go in to pray the Fajr, because they used to pray the Fajr at the early time as well, as soon as it starts, it was dark. To the extent 
that you couldn't recognize who the people are around you in those days, in the darkness. However, because the Prophet ﷺ used to extend the recitation in the prayer, 60 to 100 ayat, by the time they finished praying, it was almost sunrise. That's why the hadith says by the time they finished and the Prophet ﷺ left, and everybody left, they could recognize each other, because enough light had started to appear now. Some of the people, mostly the Ahnaf, the Hanafis, they take these types of narrations to say, therefore, you should pray the Fajr at the end time. They say, look at this hadith, they could recognize each other when the prayer finished. That must mean they were praying Fajr at the end time. Not necessarily. Because we know that the Prophet ﷺ used to extend the recitation of his prayer. 60 to 100 ayahs. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite uh, calmly and slowly, ayah at a time. That's mentioned about the recitation of the Prophet ﷺ. So the Fajr prayer would be lengthy. So even if they came in the darkness, it's still possible and it's still co- completely correct that the Fajr prayer, they would come early and they would pray lengthy to the extent that when they finished, the lightness had begun to appear much more and they could recognize each other when that prayer was finished. وَكَانَ يُطِيلُ الْقِرَاءَ فِيهَا وَلَا يَنْسَرِفُ مِنْهَا إِلَّا حِينَ يَعْفُ رَجُلْ جَلِيسَا فَدَلَّ عَلَى أَنَّهُ حِينَ يَدْخُلُ فِيهَا لَا يَعْفُ رَجُلْ مَنْ بِجَانِبِهِ كَمَا فِي الرِّوَايَةِ الَّتِي تَأْتِي وَالنَّاسُ لَا يَعْرِفُ بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضًا يَعْنِي مِنَ الظُّلْمَةِ وَفِي حَدِيثٍ آخر كانت النساء يصلين مع but these ones about the light, they indicate that the prayer was being prayed lengthily. And that's mentioned in this hadith now where it says that he used to pray from 60 to 100 ayat in the, Quran, in the Fajr prayer. So that is some more details about some of the prayers. But we are going to mention further details as we continue next time about the prayers and the exact times that the Prophet ﷺ used to prefer to pray those prayers in those times. But for now, that's the beginning part to learn the general times of when the prayers start, when they end for each prayer. And some of these uh, uh, rulings mentioned in the second narration also. And we'll complete, uh, complete or continue from that from next week, inshallah ta'ala. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.